time again for a completely unnecessary podcast. Super show for Tuesday, February 20th. 2024 a lot of twos alongside ian ferguson that's me hello recording at how are you castle ferguson i'm yes. pat country on the show today we'll be talking about the funimation controversy xbox games no longer exclusive to their own console which they kind of weren't before but now they really aren't uh madam webb is a disgrace to all humanity <laughs> And entertainment, apparently, in art. Disgrace. I just, um, we'll talk about the WADA games, buffoonery, and and more buffoonery with Amico. Ian, how yes. you doing? You doing okay? Yeah, I'm I'm good. Uh, unfortunately, Vani is not, which is why uh, I'm recording from from here. Uh, she tested positive for COVID this morning. I feel fine. I will test tomorrow. But um, she is quarantining. But I'm not going to risk, uh, you know, getting you sick. So thank here you. I am. Uh, I have been super busy with work. Uh, in my spare time, I have not been going out. I've actually been staying home and playing games, saving money for our Japan trip. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, in October. So I'm uh, going through my enormous video game back catalog. I'm playing Hades again. Um, I'm playing Helldivers 2 uh, when I can actually connect to it, which I talked about a little bit in the intro, uh, the uh, the bonus episode. And let's see. And what, what about the, that limited run game that's making waves? Oh, yeah, Arzette, which I uh, am about a third of the way through right now. Uh, we got a review code very kindly from, from our uh, friends uh, Audi at Limited Run Games. Um, and it's, it's, it's a blast when this was announced, I thought it was a fun idea. Basically what our Zet is, is a spiritual sequel or reimagining of, um, the side scrolling Zelda CDI games. And, um, you know, those were memed all over the internet and back. They were popular for the, uh, the, the bad animation or well, the, the very weird animation and the, uh, the bad voice acting. And, um, you know, Arzette kind of attempts to be one of the, be that, but playable and it succeeds. Uh, the sprite work is actually really nice in it. Uh, you know, probably a little nicer than it should be for the, you know, the, the game it's trying to emulate or mimic. Um, and, uh, as someone who has actually played the, uh, link one faces of evil, I played it at my friend's house. The only person I've ever known who owned a CDI. Do you even own a CDI? I mean, now I do. Yeah, I found one at the Swabby, but as a kid, uh, okay. I, as a teenager or kid, I didn't know anyone who had one, obviously. Yeah, I knew of two in existence. I saw one at, like, the local stereo place because they were always, like... Oh, yeah, I saw them at stores, and nobody beats the Wiz. They had one, you know, set up. Uh, yeah, I remember seeing the golf game on demo, but I, I, know, I didn't know anyone who owned one, though. You know, I remember the demo being set up at uh, the stereo place where they always had like the higher end electronics and they were trying to make it look very fancy. Sure. And I remember playing, uh, I think it was Lords of the Rising Sun. There's a mini game where you have to move the sword back and forth to okay. deflect to deflect uh, shurikens. Anyways, I digress. But yeah, if, um, I'm, if I'm playing this. Yeah, I did. Uh, it looks great. The animation 
it's good animation that properly uh looks a little janky on purpose yeah, that, that, that properly <laughs> conveys what i think people notice the most about the art in the original games and that is like uh you know uh exaggerated um exaggerated you know facial contortions and also a very weird focus on the eyes of the characters and mm-hmm. they get that right in Arzette. Um, the voice acting is fun. It's not <laughs> a lot of it is uh, not professional, but it's amusing. Our friend uh, Joe uh, Modzaleski has a wonderful voiceover in the game. And I was dying from the moment I first heard it because I looked at Vaughn and I'm like, that's that's just fucking Joe talking. <laughs> She's like, yeah, that is Joe. Also, uh, so- uh, uh, my pal Vinny from Vinesauce. He has a, he oh, has a, he? he's got a voice for Earl as well. Uh, who does he do? Do you know? Uh, he does the, the frog guy, the frog. Oh, awesome. Okay. So, <laughs> that's great. Vinny, Vinny's great at voices. He, his, I mean, he's, he's, I want to say famous for it, but he does a great like impersonation of both Mario and Luigi, how they sounded on in the original, you know, cartoon from the right. super show days. So he, he's well, a, a fun little inside it. scoop I got from Joe when talking to him about it was that the original voice Joe did for his character, uh, was, uh, he was told to dial it back because it sounded too lewd and too gross. <laughs> okay. Then. <laughs> yeah. And, and I believe they got two of the original voice actors back as well. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I think they did. So yeah, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a love letter, but also a good game. And they also I hate that term so much. <laughs> a love letter it is, it is a though. Good game. I like that versus homage. Uh but all, they also have uh the a USB. This is just craziness they did it. They have a USB controller that looks the same shape and buttons sh- uh, of of the original like hand one hand CDI controller. They yep. the fact that they did that for no reason at all other than like oh yeah, you want to play it like the original. I'm like I'm literally on the fence about whether or not I want that. I think it's only twenty bucks. That's not terrible to to get it. I think. But um, I, I'm really enjoying the game. There's there's a lot of backtracking, but it's it's just a, a nature of sure. the the beast. The backgrounds have a, kind of a almost like a washed watercolor look, which, if I recall correctly, is reminiscent of the original. Sure. I mean, even like references locations that I remember in the original. So oh. This is not people just kind of like looking at a meme and like we can cash in on this. They literally looked at those original games and were like, we want to recreate this, but, you know, as close as possible we can, but but playable, you know, make it make it a good game. And uh, yeah, no, I I think it's a lot of fun. It's more than a joke. And I, I recommend it. Yeah. I also recommend you check out a certain Kickstarter for a certain N64 guidebook right now. I want to play a trailer. You can you can hear all about it. Oh yeah. It's me, Mario. Hello. Nintendo makes the jump to 3D, introducing Ultimate Nintendo Guide to the N64 Library. This 450-page hardcover book contains information, screenshots, and reviews for all the games released worldwide for Nintendo's 64-bit home video game console between 1996 and 2002. Details for every Nintendo 64 game are here, including genre, release date, region, developer, publisher, number of players, game features, availability, and overall rating. Each title has a full review, as well as reflections for additional details about the game's release, historical notes, personal reviewer thoughts, and more. There are even illustrations of cartridge variants, including players' choice cartridges and international versions. 
The 400 full-page Nintendo 64 game reviews are only the beginning. There are additional sections dedicated to special cartridges, not for resale cartridges, and even a section for the 64DD games released only in Japan. But there is more than just games. The Nintendo 64 hardware section illustrates all the first-party controllers and accessories. There is a section highlighting some third-party accessories. And there are even sections where you can learn all about the N64 console and controller variants. This guidebook also includes articles covering topics such as Nintendo 64 technology, the history of the 64DD, N64 3D platformers, N64 wrestling games, the N64 party games, cancelled N64 titles, and more. There is even a bonus mystery review section to be revealed later. From the same team that brought you the guide to the NES library and the guide to the SNES library, Ultimate Nintendo Guide to the N64 Library is a definitive resource to learn about hundreds of fun and memorable N64 titles. Are you a fan of Nintendo or retro video games? Check out Ultimate Nintendo Guide to the N64 Library. You can support this book project on Kickstarter or by pre-ordering at ultimatenintendo.com. And we're back. And uh, yeah, check it out. It's going to be around for three more weeks. Or, of course, you can also pre-order at ultimatenintendo.com. Look at me getting all professional with the ad copy. Ian loved the ad copy from that video. He's seen it, right? He's just, we oh, just yeah. watched it again. Great ad copy. Great great voice voiceover as well. I am a, I'm an ad copy connoisseur. So well, Let's talk about this uh, Funimation controversy real quick here. That, that's been happening. So this was... Um, this was announced a couple weeks ago, uh, kind of on the heels of almost on the heels of uh, Sony's uh, elimination and then restoration of, I believe it was Discovery Channel content. On, yeah, Warner uh, Brothers Sony video service. So um, Funimation was um, uh, merged with with Crunchyroll. Um uh, so, you know, we've gone from like three anime streaming services down to pretty much one. Mm-hmm. And Funimation had a program where if you bought physical copies of media, um, probably anything that was Funimation uh, published, um, you could then redeem that for a digital copy online. And uh, with the merger, Sony has decided to uh, eliminate those. And that's where where people are. So Funimation's announcement said, um, please note that Crunchyroll does not currently support Funimation digital copies, which means that access to previously available digital copies will not be supported. However, we are continuously working to enhance our content offerings and provide you with an exceptional anime streaming experience. We appreciate your understanding and encourage you to explore the extensive anime library available on Crunchyroll. So... It was a it was a bonus to buying the physical Blu-rays or DVDs that Funimation uh, published, uh, having a code that you could get the digital one and have it all uh, under your account. Um, yeah, you can you can probably understand why legally with the merger that that probably would have been problematic to keep on, but it's still it's 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 a it's a it's a it's a pain in the freaking ass that it has to happen. Where, I don't know. I mean, is it though? Because if they are being merged. And Sony owned both. It might be a licensing thing. Well, that's what I'm saying. But uh, okay, I, I mean, I I know what you're trying to get at, and I so agree. like uh, my, like it might might be a thing. I'm not saying it's it's right or wrong. It might be a thing where Funimation, you know, their sale, like like when when Funimation is 
buying licenses. They're basically acquiring license to put out physical media, right? Those have a time limit on them, usually when you get the license to, to produce physical media, right? So that might not be transferred over to Sony. And then Sony's like, well, we don't have but the... Funimation li- would have published it. It would have been a Funimation published show. So yes. Funimation would have been publishing... Like, they would have had those rights, so if they still had the rights to have those on on the streaming service, then they would probably still have the publication rights. I, I don't know how it works with, like, like say, like, for example, some company, like, publishes, we'll just say, uh, we'll say a Wolverine Blu-ray, and there's a digital code attached. The, like, I, I, in my head, they don't have the rights to publish the digital version forever. That wouldn't make any sense. There'd probably be a time limit to that and i'm guessing that might have something to do with the transfer of ownership it's probably not clean it still sucks um that that it has to happen um so well, it definitely sucks I, yeah. I i just i i get what you're saying i just i don't regardless it's this isn't this is a oh, cautionary tale yes, about this, your digital stuff this is I not mean, the same thing as the sony and discovery stuff that this is a little bit different because this is a digital code attached to a physical product that you got that's no longer in your account. This is a little bit different than that. It still is the same harbinger of end of physical media, uh, how it's bad, but this is a little bit different than buying something digitally up front and then it's, you can no longer have access to this. This is a digital asset attached to a physical thing you bought. Uh, either way, it's, it sucks. Obviously, it sucks. Yeah. No, um, it definitely blows. Um, yeah, this may have just been more of a legal thing, but we don't know. Like I said, I don't know. It's a little, like I said, it's a little different. I never heard about something like this before where you can have all digital things attached to a physical thing on an online account. I mean, it's, it's cool that Funimation did that. It's really cool. Um, IGN announced IGN Live, an in person three day fan event in LA. Hmm, what also used to take place in LA? That was a summer games event. Uh, this summer featuring gaming entertainment creators, developers, publishers, and enthusiasts. So IGN is obviously at this point, you know, the largest video game journalism, entertainment, whatever you want to call it, site that's left. Will just be like five or six ones that are pretty big. Is there even a second one at this point? I guess GameSpot is the other one that's probably still up there. Um, mm, Polygon is still around. Sure. Polygon is still around after Math just started, and Aftermath has actually got some good writing. So hopefully uh, that'll that will stick around. Okay. Uh, it's it's uh, a bunch of journalists who worked at different um who worked at different publications got together started their own website it's funded entirely by patreon oh okay and, a little free uh, advertiser yeah, it's, tr- it's it's truly independent after uh, you know journalism so okay. hopefully it sticks around but i know what you mean like it used to be you couldn't go anywhere on the internet without you know tripping over yourself and falling into yeah. one of these it used to be one up joystick you know game spy had their own uh game new spy. stuff yeah absolutely there was like five or six uh, U.S. Gamer was that one? I want to say there uh, was a ton. I know I'm I'm missing some. Yeah, we're missing but... some. So, um, so I guess they're looking to fill. I don't even think it's even a hole because I think Jeff Keeley does his summer games event now. It's like a digital thing, I think, as well. Mm-hmm. And then I think uh, um, Greg uh, tr- tried to do it as well from uh, uh, from God, I remember the name of it. Uh, what the hell, Greg Miller from uh fucking ha- the happy fun what's what's the name of their podcast i'm sorry greg miller i met you you're nice um what what the hell is the name of <laughs> kind of funny uh, oh, okay greg miller from kind of funny did they, i think they tried to do a couple of their own summer digital you know here's a 
here's a little like bumper introducing a new game a trailer so like trying to fill that hole and something that's a little bit i guess more digestible in terms of size and financial risk than doing a gigantic e3 you know some behemoth of an event so i guess the question is whether or not this will succeed what, what will game companies feel the need to to come on board something like this that's the question i don't know like i, I guess it'll depend upon like they feel a need well, to here's the weird thing though they're not advertising it that way they're featuring world-class talent parties networking opportunities and unique attractions doesn't say anything about publishers well yeah but it says first looks at new releases so like that you got to get publishers on board to like show off trailers sure and that'll be paid that's not gonna be free um yeah i i think it'll i don't know like i said i don't i don't don't think this uh, is really addressing anything or doing anything that e3 didn't do and i have no reason to believe that this would succeed either it just seems uh, silly it's it's not really shaking anything up or addressing any of the problems I mean, I had kind of suggested, you know, you do a one day thing that's like similar to the VGA, but you have a couple, you know, you have some trailers, you know, and announcements throughout the day instead of trying to cram it all into a three hour period. And I don't know if even that would work because you'd still have to get people to get up and leave their house to go do it. Uh, This is a three day event. So we're already talking about, you know. Sure. It has to be sizable. Is this is this already bloating? What is you know, actually necessary. Is this already too big of an idea? Is I think it, a two-day thing would have been a great way to start. I guess it comes down to what exhibitors can they get to pay to pay the freaking rent, you know, for for the building. That's what yeah. it comes down to. Is it going to be like all those, you know, like headphone and streaming tech and joystick, like like those like companies that might need in-person events still because the big publishers obviously do not. Sure, but like. Uh, Turtle Beach might to sell their headphones and microphone. You know, what I mean? like companies Something like that. Where an in-person demonstration yes. is truly beneficial. That yeah, it can't be translated digitally. Like you can send a game demo anywhere, but you can't you can't try on a pair of headphones over the internet. Yeah, or gaming chair. You know, like so. Like, well, the, well, is there enough of those companies that will be like, okay, we can have this and and. You know, I don't. I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know how well those businesses do at those those events in the past. You know, I like I, the booths at uh, the like the San Diego Fair, where like you walk in and everyone's trying to sell you something. Sell you a hot That's tub. That's how a, I'm picturing yeah. this, but with electronics. <laughs> sell, sell you a hot tub at at a, at, a, at a fair. You know, like they yeah. do something. It's like what? Here's here's your solar power. Here's your hot tub. You know, try to sell you stuff like that. Here's your awning. I've heard that people that they are actually somewhat successful doing that. I mean, they well, would have to be to constantly do it because you get people who are just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'll spend money and then well, you buy a hot tub, and then two weeks later it shows up. Well, I mean, like it's one of those things where, like, I mean, it's not a small purchase a hot tub. Trust me, I have one. Like, it's like a car purchase almost for how much the good ones cost. But like, it's one of those things where I guess the average homeowner probably doesn't have that in mind but then they see one oh yeah hot tub would be awesome and then there you go even though it's well the ones that those are probably cheaper like three to five grand i'm trying to think about how much they cost some of them but um yeah it's probably that sort of thing anyway we're talking about we can do a hot tub podcast i spent more time searching for a hot tub than my last car that i bought (laughs) that's actually true okay well good luck to ign live and whether or not it's going to succeed ian's saying no you know, never die. Ultimate Nintendo.com. 
Because there you got you got RBI baseball stickers. You got uh, well, we only have one book there now, but one for pure NES book is sold out. I keep getting questions about when is it going to come back in stock. Not for a bit. I want to uh, do a revision. Uh, but you can get the SNES book. You can get Enamel CU podcast pins. You can pre-order a certain N64 guidebook. All at UltimateNintendo.com. I'll be streaming on Twitch every Wednesday night. Commercials. Ian's streaming every Thursday night. He's doing his set there. His oh, music set. Four p.m. PST. Mixing the house up. What, what's your channel name, Ian? Uh, it's twitch.tv slash pxlsicle. Ian's so good, he has to spell it out. Oh, for that. <laughs> Pixel Sickle. And I'm Country Code. And then uh, no one's on Cameo anymore, so I'm not going to push Cameo. I should probably delete that. I haven't booked a Cameo in months. So yeah, get rid of it. <laughs> delete that. Uh, and then the good, good news about the app, the ultimate game guide for app for NES has been updated to include Super NES. Also now on Android. Before it was iOS, now you can you can find it at android.ultimatenes.com or just search on the Google Play Store. It's free to try, and then you can uh, manage both your NES and Super NES collections in a single app with tips and codes and screenshots and price updates. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, there's been more game layoffs, but honestly, I haven't looked into specific ones, so it's just it's really depressing to bring it up unless you want to bring up a specific one. No, I just, you know, your friends in uh, the video game industry are not in a great place right now. So check in on them, see how they're doing. Um, there are, there was layoffs recently at the GTA Producers Everywhere studio. Build the Rocket Boys reportedly facing layoffs. Um, those are just the most recent ones that uh, I've seen. Uh, there's been roughly 8,500 layoffs already this Oh, no, I'm sorry. Roughly 8,500 workers were laid off in 2022. Mm -hmm. The number jumped to 10,500 in 2023. And there's already been more than 6,000 people laid off from their video game industry jobs 90 days into this year. Well, we're less than 60 days. Yeah, less than 90 days. You're you're reading that article. I saw that 90 day thing. I said, I think their math is off because we are are, are 60 days into the year. Yes. Not even. We're 50 days into the year about that's so, so like this is going to get worse and worse potentially um so yeah sucks it's it's awful and this is what happens when corporations run around unchecked and just buy shit close it down yeah um so so a little wwe i'm gonna try and explain to ian what's been happening literally the past two weeks has been a mess but yeah i don't know what's going on here okay <clears throat> It was almost an exact re. It's, it was a retread, but worse than. Remember ten years ago, and, and plucky Daniel Bryan, who was the fan favorite by far, yes. in a way, everyone's bi- like darling baby face, and they and Vince McMahon, that piece of trash. I, I don't want to get into all the other bad news about uh, Vince right now. That I did hear about. It's but it's it's what we suspected was going on, but. It's gonna. It's gonna, there's gonna be a lot of bad news with WWE coming out this year about mm-hmm. decades of horrible behavior that was allowed to go go unimpeded with Vince and his fucking cronies. Anyway, that aside, new ownership. They got a clean house, uh, and they probably will. Heads are gonna roll from what it, from what it sounds like. They're gonna take out anyone that was involved with the, in the old regime if they had anything to do with the current allegations. That are going on with Vince. Anyway, that aside, so 10 years ago, Daniel Bryan 
They, they, in spite of themselves, held back Daniel Bryan. They put him with Bray Wyatt's crew, and they realized we cannot bury this guy that everyone loves and is chanting for. Remember, he wasn't in the Royal Rumble right. 10 years ago, mm-hmm. and the fans went nuts. They booed Rey, Rey Mysterio as the last entrant. They fixed it. They fixed it. Daniel Bryan Which is got awful, the- by the way. You should uh, never put Rey Mysterio in a position where he can be booed. Well, well they didn't care. Vince doesn't care. Daniel Bryan is not my guy. It's got to be Roman Reigns. And it took like five years for people to accept Roman Reigns and eventually became like with his heel turn. And now he's been good the past years as a heel. Anyway, so the same thing almost happened in this year, except it was worse. Cody Rhodes, who is the biggest baby face in the company by far. Uh, remember, he won the Rumble last year. He lost, uh, not cleanly, but he lost to Roman Reigns. And people surmise, well, they're going to do a long tail like they did with Dusty Rhodes, where eventually he's going to lose, but eventually get back to the top and win. And that's what they built towards the past year. So, yeah, Co- I mean, I remember you talking about that specifically last year, and I was like, well, if that's what they're going to do, and it seems obvious that that's what they're going to do, well, then that's fine. Otherwise, why would you have your biggest babyface lose in the main event of WrestleMania? It's very right. rare it happens. So they build them up. He beat Brock. Uh, cleanly, he avenged Brock beating him up. Like, they were building him up. He wins the Rumble. He tosses out Punk at the end. Punk got injured in the Rumble, unfortunately. But Punk, unfortunately, can't stay healthy at this point. I, I feel bad his body's breaking down. Like, he's not going to have a second shot, it seems like. But he, we'll see when he comes back. He hurt his, uh, he tore his tricep. And I've done that before in college. That's a bad injury, uh, tricep tear. Anyway, so he wins the Rumble again. He's, he literally points at Reigns at the end of the Rumble. I want you. I'm coming for you. But what happened in between all this? Real life ruins things. The Rock. Dwayne Johnson joins the board of TKO, the new owner of both UFC and WWE. Supposedly, supposedly, uh, one of the uh, parts of the deal for him to get back, uh, to get on the board is obviously it came from him that he had to have a big match at WrestleMania. The other thing supposedly, supposedly, is he got $30 million in stock options. As part of his compensation. So The Rock then probably thinks, well, uh, well, he's a mark for himself at this point, Dwayne Johnson. I think that's obvious to say. Yes. Um, he's, he's bought his own fucking hype. I'm not saying he's not a good performer. He's not, not, he's, he's not an all-time great. But he's bought his own hype at this point. He hasn't been a full-time wrestler, by the way, in 20 years. 20 years hasn't been a full Remember, he retired fairly early before coming back for his little runs around 2012, 13. He wasn't yeah, full-time. How, how old was he? He was pretty young. He started, remember, he started young in the business. He was like 23, 24 yeah. when he was Rocky Maivia. You know, he's only about 52 now, about. The point is this. 10 years ago, he was getting injured in his little matches with like John Cena and his one-offs. Not blaming him, but bigger guy, bulky, not in ring shape. It can happen. Right. Comes back now to uh, and said basically... This is this is like real. This isn't storyline behind the scenes. I should be the one to fight Roman Reigns for the title. It should be me. It'll be the biggest match in WrestleMania history, which is bullshit, by the way. But it'd be the biggest match in WrestleMania history. So literally five days after the Rumble, Cody runs out to the ring to say to basically do a one eighty and say, "Oh, I want to beat you, Roman Reigns, but not at WrestleMania." I want to I want to hurt you so the here comes the guy who will fight you. The Rock comes out. And it made Ooh, Cody look boy. like the made Cody look like the biggest bitch alive. 
And boy, did the fans not like that wow. at all. They they cheered him then. I guess it was in, was in Mobile, Alabama or something. But after that, they started booing The Rock when he was showing up. They they went online and said, you know, Cody has to finish his story. They were they had a reverse course within a week on it. And this was not planned. I hear people say, well, this was planned the whole time. They forced Rock to turn heel at a at the press conference. Oh wait, the so next they week. already reversed this? Yes. They so, rever- they, okay, they, so okay. So so the Rock shows up on the like the, the Friday night SmackDown after the Rumble. Basically, Cody looks like a fucking bitch giving up his spot. Uh, walks away and, and and Cody you can tell like there's no way for it to look good storyline or otherwise that you're doing that like he tried to put on a happy face but you can tell he was actually personally hurt because I would be after that he's been a company man now for two years like doing everything the company's asked for him everything um they had a press conference in the next week and they they did a really weak thing where like uh Cody's basically said oh uh, Roman reigns your grandfather uh, would be ashamed, which is also the Rock's grandfather, would be ashamed of how you're acting. So the Rock goes, you don't talk about our family. And he slaps Cody. And they did it to save face because they realized it was a bad decision to have the Rock wrestle Roman in the main event and not Cody. So now it's like, well, what's happening? But they reverse course on it. And thank God they did. Or else that main event would have been booed out, in, especially in Philadelphia. Of all oh, places. Oh God, you don't. Yeah, you can't do that in fucking Philly. The sm- like, like one they of the will sm- chase you out of town. One of the smart crowds of the the world for wrestling. Like they reversed it back, and thankfully they did. But now you have like a Hollywood esque Rock character, so they did the best way. But the fact that the Rock almost derailed this like year build up to WrestleMania is like ridiculous that it even so got is to that the point. Rock, does he have a match at WrestleMania? I think they're going to probably end up doing some tag team thing. Remember, now WrestleMania is two nights, so maybe they'll do one night something. Oh, one night next. I forgot that. Yeah. So, But unfortunately, the combination of CM Punk's injury, CM Punk was probably going to fight Seth Rollins. So that's not happening. Seth Rollins has an ankle injury or foot injury. I forget that. Or, or knee injury that he should be back in time, but it's iffy. But there, like WrestleMania's plans went from like, this is going to be awesome to a disaster really quickly within a week but they they fortunately they course corrected wwe wwe old would not have course corrected they would have i was shoved, gonna say that uh, that already shows me that there are certain people who no longer yes. have any power in the company uh because yeah that th- they would have never course corrected that in the past they would have no. been like they they just would have been like too bad and they did it within a week they basically course corrected within a week they were like this is a bad idea and they try to explain it away but it's still bad but yeah I just want to say this, like uh, Dwayne Johnson, um, someone's got to put him in check at some point and say, hey, listen, yeah, you're good at what you do. You're not the star you fucking think you are anymore. You're not. You failed with movies. You you broke the back of the DCEU movie universe with the failure of of, of fucking uh, the Shazam, whatever, one off Black Adam. Black Adam. And I don't know if this uh, new uh, UFL is going to take off or not. The combination of the USFL and the XFL. I don't know if that's going to succeed with the Rock oh at them. I have no idea. If, if, if the U.S. really... Did it ever succeed? Well, no. The pa- well, the, well, the second one failed because of the pandemic. Like, it was just, we got to shut this down. But, like, I don't know if the, if the U.S., if there's a market for a spring football league in this country. Like, it's been tried about six or seven times over the decades so i don't know 
the point is this. I'm glad I'm glad the rock got put in check by maybe the, the, the higher ups at TKR. Like, no, no, we can't do this. This is yeah. not good. Plus, it makes it plus in terms of how it looked to the to the boys and the girls in the back, like it would look oh, terrible. That would have I mean, that's got to have I mean, awful, awful morale. Yeah. The company, I mean, literally, the literally the best company man you could ask for, Cody, doing everything that's been asked for him in terms of PR, taking the losses at WrestleMania and then getting beat by Brock, building himself back up. Then you have literally a guy who, was, who last wrestled a match like 10 years ago come in for the main event and fight for the title. It was going to be a, t- a title match against Roman. Oh, like, God. Okay. I was the way you were yeah. describing it. I was like, well, at least it sounds like it's not for the title. Oh, it has to be a title for it has to be a WrestleMania for the title. Yeah. I mean, I. So like yeah. just a disaster. So and then plus like for him to beat Roman Reigns potentially when Roman has had the title now for like almost four years, right? To have someone who has defended the title constantly lose it to someone who hasn't wrestled in, I think ten long? years. I think ten years was his last single match against. I think it was Cena ten years ago. Yeah, I mean just just insulting. Yeah, just bad, just bad. That's all. So that's that's my my WWE rant. You, you have the small amount of CU podcast wrestling fans that love that, but the rest of me like, I don't want to hear about it. But <laughs> uh, bad news about the Wiley Coyote mo- movie. It was good news for a while. Remember, they, this was a 100% finished movie, combination of animation and live action. It, uh, unlike uh, the. Uh, I would really like to see it. <laughs> I really, really want to see you it. You know, you could make the argument that, well, the Batwoman movie didn't, uh, it wasn't doing well with test audiences. It's still shitty, but okay, it still sucks. This supposedly was off the charts with test audiences that have seen this movie. That, like, this would have done probably pretty well at the box office. And it's an so, awesome idea. It's Wiley uh, Coyote taking suing the Acme Corporation for selling faulty products. I'm on his side. I'm on his side. I, I I wanted to see that very, very badly. And it was supposedly was like, a, you don't like love letter, but it was... Like this is a proper like Looney Tunes style movie, which which aren't done well often. The Space Jam sequel supposedly was not good. That came out a couple years ago. Uh, anyway, so this is a hundred percent finished, scored everything, and then they said, "Oh, we're gonna just take it. We're gonna can it, and it'll be a tax a deduction right off like Batwoman was." Um, so then there was a lot of backlash. So then they tried to shop it out, but it was a half-hearted effort by Warner Brothers. They, you read put this. A, they put way too high of a price tag on it so that no one would buy it, which is I think they were charging 75 million and no one has yes. no one had that much faith. Um star John Cena, who's everywhere now, and Will Forte cost 72 to make, and they were not willing to negotiate anything. It sounds like like so like Netflix was in, was interested and other streaming services are like, no, take it or leave it. We want this amount of money, we want, want to make a little bit of profit on it. And that's it. So fucking these these uh, these assholes just spit in the face of obviously every every writer, every artist that worked on the movie, every actor, everything, and wouldn't even take like a little bit of a loss on this because they work out the math and figure well we can actually make a little bit of money on this if no one ever sees this this work. It's disgust. It's despicable. It's, oh, yeah, no, it's, it's disgusting. It's um, Ugh. and the fact that this has happened now twice within like a year at Warner Brothers. I. This CEO is, is dog shit. This guy. Oh, Zaslav? Yeah, he yeah, sucks. He's just awful. This is one of those things where, like, I feel like there needs to be laws in place um, for this. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, 
It's bad. I, I hope someone leaks the digital film. Itself. I hope someone gets into it. Oh, I hope so, too. More, more than, more than um, just about any film that has been canceled. I really, really want to see this one, and it might suck. But I just like Wiley. No, like I said, from the, suppo- the, the idea sounds fun. Supposedly, like th- this was going to be good. Supposedly, that's what makes it worse. Um, Deadpool trailer came out during the Super Bowl. It looks good. It does. I'm actually very excited to see it. Haven't been excited to see a superhero movie in a long time, but that one, I'm, I'm actually. I think I'm going to enjoy it. Yes, it's going to basically... It's a multiverse thing, which they've built it up for the past three, four years with, with, with the uh, the TVA, it is called. So keep track of the multiverses. And then, you know, if you watch if you watch the end of... I don't know if they even planned this at the time. I think they did. I think it was just... It was just happen, uh, happen chance that Deadpool 2 had to do with time travel when it came out. And oh, so, sure. So... He basically went back in the past and fixed things at the end of Deadpool 2, two which perfectly lines up with how this, this multiverse shit has started with, with time manipulation stuff. I don't think they planned that with Deadpool 2, but it fits in perfectly into, into it. it. It makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it does. So he's that fucking... had to have been some fairly specific early planning, and I don't know that I'm willing to give the Marvel Cinematic Universe that kind of I don't Because remember, that was still a Fox film, that uh, Deadpool 2. Uh, right. it was, it was, so I don't know. Or maybe they knew it was gonna. Maybe they got direction. Okay, well, this is where it might be headed. But either way, it works out perfectly. So no, I'm looking forward to it. Between the news of that and the Fantastic Forecast being revealed on Valentine's Day with a, with a cute little card, that was a beautiful. How was? If you see that the little the little Valentine's card. God, Ian, where have you been? Uh, so they revealed the cast, and it was drawn in the style of like the early '60s, and how they were dressed was early 60s and the hairstyle of sue storm so i'm like please this is what i've, I've thought about for literally 10 years this oh should my god ebon moss baccarat oh, who is he playing he's ben grim oh god please this so will, good this will take place in the early 60s from all uh, from all indications this is where this movie has to take place the first he's one so in the early 60s good. like this has to be a period piece this first movie. There's no other entity that fits into like the early 60s, like space race era as the Fantastic Four do. Like, I am so looking forward to this. I said, Frank, you got to stay alive until at least next summer to see this. And he's agreed he will. He made that promise to me. Yeah, so, no, this is a great cast. Pedro Pascal is a great choice. That's the only one where I'm not thrilled, but he's a good actor. I'm just like, okay, he's in everything. He's also a bit older than all the other actors. So I'm just like, okay, we'll see. He, he is, but I think he's the right type of, I mean, the type of character that he has come to play, I think is a good fit for sure. Mr. Fantastic. Sure. But he he's about 15, 20 years older than the other actors. So I'm like, he should be about the same age as Sue, but whatever. I'm not going to go into it. Uh, so I'm look, I, that's going to be great. So I'm all of a sudden have a nice kick in the pants in the perfect jean pants about mcu based upon these two movies i i'm like excited for these two nothing else really but well besides daredevil uh, when daredevil comes back and you like sure. that and you like the fact that they basically Ke- kevin feige supposedly saw the daredevil uh and basically said this is not going the way i want it to go and basically threw out half like supposedly half the content and like i said we're going to redo most of these episodes have you heard oh, about for that for the for daredevil for daredevil reborn they basically 
went back to the drawing board and are reshooting yeah, and redoing a lot that. of it. It's quite some time. Yeah. They were going to do 18 episodes, and I think Lieutenant said, no, we're going to pare this down, and I think they're going to get back. Um, supposedly, uh, Foggy and, uh, what was it, Susan, supposedly they were not going to be in it, that they're going to be killed off screen, and people went nuts, because I would too, because they're like the heart and soul of the show, and I think they're back in. Suppo- supposedly, they're like back in. Yeah, you can't fucking aliens oh. this. You can't just alien three off. it, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. You can't. You can't go from like beloved characters to oh, we killed them off screen. Fuck you, audience. But I think that's what. Yeah. So so the so the Marvel oh my show, God, what a horrible idea that would have been. Like they did Jesus. it because but now there's a shot of them back on set. So so I, so I read an article. Not to go off on a tangent, I read an article about how how they make uh, TV shows at Marvel at for MCU stuff. MCU stuff is going to change, where they're no longer just allowing a showrunner to just make a bunch of shows willy nilly, and then we'll see how it turns out. Because that did not work out for um, the uh, what the hell the the the, the, um, the one that just happened with with the aliens with the Kree. Um, with the, a secret war yeah secret the secret uh, uh the nick fury one or secret invasion or something yeah, yeah the, inv- the secret invasion whatever that supposedly was not good supposedly um i know she hulk some people didn't like it i thought she Hulk was fine up until the finale the finale I it was good the fina- that one i didn't actually hear that many differing opinions on i thought that one was supposed to be pretty good i think the finale went off the rails personally and they did not have a budget to, to have more she hulk that was obvious Gotcha. So, um, but I think going forward, they're going to have more of a, a traditional TV pilot system where make your pilot, we see how it is. If we like it, we'll, or we'll change it, and then we'll give you the episodes. It sounds like they were not doing that, and that's why it's been very weird with with the shows. Gotcha. Because even the same with uh, what was the last one I really watched the uh, the uh, uh, Falcon Winter Soldier series. Very uneven. I liked it overall, but it was very. I think very uneven in quality, uh, that one, and that's and that movie's still uh, not done being made. Uh, the new Captain America one coming out next year. God, there's, it seems like there's like a three year gap between like good MCU stuff almost. <laughs> like there's like this gap. Anyway, uh, speaking of great movies, Madam Web came out and did it did worse. <laughs> than, it did worse than what I thought it was going to do. Uh, it did worse at the box office. I didn't the, even know it had come out. I oh mean, really? I know we have talked about it. Oh. I remember us talking about it, and making fun of that. But I had no idea it came out. Like when people started talking about it again, I was like, "Oh, the final trailer must have dropped. This will be out soon." And it's like, "Oh, it's in theaters." Drop. Okay. Yeah. Um. It it reviewed worse than Morbius, if you can believe that, right, and, and uh, worse box office than Morbius. What were the comparisons? For what? What do you mean? Like oh. the the box office comparisons? Oh, I don't have that in front of me. Oh, okay. Uh, but it did only 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. 13%. Wow. That's, what, what did Morbius have? Uh, Morbius made $39 million in its debut. So it did, uh, like, what was that, 40, uh, 40% uh, worse than Morbius did at the box office. Uh, Morbius has a 15%. So Madam Web is two percentage points lower. <laughs> Congratulations, Madam Web. There are so many behind-the-scenes stories about this movie that you cannot read for them to be true. One of the biggest, almost like open secrets, is that the stars like uh, Dakota Johnson and Sidney Sweeney are the two biggest stars. Um, they were s- sold on the fact that this was an MCU movie when it really wasn't, and then they found out and were pissed off about it. Oh, really? That's like so a, a little, a little deceit. 
that's a big thing. Dakota John, if you've if you've been following J- Dakota Johnson's PR run during this, I, she has a very dry personality to begin with, but you can tell that she doesn't give a shit about this movie. Didn't want to be in it. Thinks it's a fucking joke, um, and it is a joke. It's an absolute joke. Just the worst kind of cash grab. Um, but you're not, but, but you're not cashing any cash. That's the thing. Like right. no one but wanted. I mean, that's what they were attempting to do. No one wanted don't. a Madam Web movie. I said this no, years no ago. Um, and the fact that now you're going to have a trilogy. Let's let's put the Venom aside because Venom is actually a character that people know about. Even okay. some even some non comic book readers might know about Venom. I think uh, most would. I feel like Venom Venom successfully crossed over into the 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 public consciousness in the late nineties. You know By what? The late nineties. I think people knew who it was. Just like your average person knows who Wolverine is. I might ask. You know, I, my sister might be a good good person to ask because my sister would know Wolverine. I'm not sure she she might know Venom from me. Probably from me having a Venom shirt, she might. But anyway, so the fact of the matter is, put those aside. You've now had Morbius that no one casually knew who Morbius was. A C-lister at best, maybe a D-lister. Madame Webb is an F-lister. Now they're going to do a Craven movie to make him an anti-hero. And if you've seen news of that, Ian, they're ripping off, it looks like, a modern uh, reimagining of Catman from DC in terms of the origin. Like someone compared it, the trailer, where it's like, well, you're not tough enough to be a poaching hunter. And like... Uh, someone oh. did it at DC like 10 years ago with the same exact storyline for Catman. I know nothing about Catman, but it Neither seems like. I. But uh, this also sounds like. Uh, what, what was I going to say? Um, so, oh, the anti-hero thing. Yes. Why does everyone, why does everyone want to take? Uh, I mean, because that's what the rock wanted to do with uh black adam yeah was take an a, a villain and then make you know have some sort of anti-hero story a tweener so who's the asshole who like is really really into craven the hunter who's like i need to redeem this guy yes like craven is a classic spider-man villain part of the original sinister six is not known really outside of his final uh the final hunt uh story from was that late 80s um, th- that's it. Like, that's all people know about Craven, really. He was like sort of redeemed by that final story. And now to make him a major starring character is nuts. Like it, de- it defies all reason, but then they still want to do that, uh, El Muerto one, which is even worse because it's a character that's been in only two Spider-Man comics as like a one-off like hero or villain to Spider-Man as a luchador wrestler and with starring bad bunny. So like someone at Sony, silly, someone at Sony has to be stopped is what I guess what we're saying. The fact that (laughs) this came to theaters and wasn't a tax write off, but we can't see uh, Batwoman probably sounded better. And, and, and the uh, Wally coyote movie. It's like, this is ridiculous. I wanted to see it. Like you can't make, you can't make this up. No one, Knew, no one thought this was going to be a success. No one did. No. The fact that no one at Sony said, yeah, hey, we got a script in for this Madam Web, and immediately someone should have said, we cannot make this movie. We're going we're gonna to lose a lot of money. You know, it's ridiculous. I guess maybe because the budget was only $80 million, supposedly, but with all the marketing, it's really 160 or So this was marketed everywhere. Um, this is the best party. It takes place in 2003. 
So you have shoe, right. you have shoehorned in 2003 references. Good. They they Good. they, they Good uh, stuff. Her and the gal crew, the Spider uh, Woman crew. Spoilers that they're all different three different Spider Women. They sing a Britney Spears song. There's like Beyonce references from early 2000s all over the place, like gold. Very smoke. necessary. There's I think there's like someone said there's a, there's a gold member movie poster somewhere, and that came out in 2003 with Beyonce. Just a fucking, and it looks like a movie from 2003. If you look at the, like, this looks like a movie, a superhero movie shot from 2003. That's not good. It, it looks cheap as hell. Oh, oh, and then she pals around as an EMT with, uh, with uh, Ben Parker. Uncle Ben is technically in this movie. Which I guess they wanted to try to connect to the MCU, but like. Uh, it's it's a fucking mess. I want to see it for how bad it is because you can see clips on online people took with their cell phone where like this is it's worse than what you think. This movie is. It's bad, Ian. It's bad. It's bad. Anyway, that yeah, sounds like it. Want to talk about Xbox games? Uh man, so much has happened with Xbox in the past couple weeks that I am not caught up on. But this was this was earlier. I think they already committed to like a new system and I, I don't know they're it microsoft's being crazy however the big news was that um is it big big news four of the four of their first person or four of their first party games are going to um the switch and playstation uh, and this rumor kind of came out. Uh, it was basically all but a confirmed rumor when it uh, hit the internet. And that was um, Starfield is not what, you know, was going to go to other systems, was going to go to um, Sony. And uh, then I believe the um, the beat game, Hi-Fi, Hi-Fi Fury, is that what it's called? I think that one, Hi-Fi Rush, I believe is supposed to go to uh, the switch here they are hi-fi rush pentiment sea of thieves and grounded are the four games xbox is bringing to new consoles oh i thought starfield was one of them it doesn't say that but still sea of thieves company, is going to be a big game supposedly I've been, I've been here about that game for years which one sea of thieves sea of thieves is already out but i mean like that's, that's a big game though like that's a that's not a small that's a huge triple a game Right. Uh, I don't think it ever really got that kind of really support. I mean, it there it, it has its fans, but I I mean, it's first of all, it, it's basically only multiplayer. Like, it's kind of got an interesting set of. Re- I just think it's a little bit harder to get into than most people would. No, my my point is that's a big game. That's not a small like game. Yeah, but that's old. Okay. I'm just saying it's old. I didn't say it was a. I mean, it, it, it's still a big deal. I'm just saying Sea of Thieves is a little bit older, so that one doesn't surprise you as much. As okay. big of a deal, but uh, stuff like Hi-Fi Rush, which is recent, um, and then I think they said two, one of those games hasn't even been announced yet. So it's just a very odd move from Microsoft, where I don't feel like they have any. I don't feel like they really have any genuine plan in motion. I think Game Pass is really their end goal at this point. Well, I mean, I mean that's that's really I feel like all they care about. Well, I think their their plan is we have to sell as much software as we can. Yes. And they realize but that. But then why are they making consoles if their first party titles are not going to go to? But we talked about this years ago, Ian. Once they started going to uh, Windows, it was over. Yeah. 
No, I agree. It's over. It doesn't matter anymore. They just want you to... Microsoft doesn't care where you play their games. They just want you to play their games. I think they see, they've seen the writing on the wall. Um, I think not this generation. I think we'll get a, to a generation where the hardware will get to a point of diminishing returns, especially with now all the software technology to upscale things. That's now coming into, into vogue. Nintendo's going to use it on their new console, which is now going to be pushed back to 2025, according to reports. No shit. No kidding. Well, yeah, but now it's like official. But so the point is that I think Microsoft is basically saying, like, why do, like, do we have to be in the hardware war 20 years from now? Do we have to invest, you know, a billion dollars every cycle to invest in R&D into a new hardware console? Yeah, no, like, I, I agree with it, you. I'm, is I'm, it, not, I'm not disagreeing. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, this is what makes fan fanboys upset. Oh, I don't care about fanboys. I'm just saying, like, from a business side, Microsoft has been planning this for years and years to, like, eventually exclusivity is going to come to an end. I mean, you brought I up. I did double check, by the way. Starfield is not coming to PS. It's not coming now, but it still could happen in the future. Uh, they paid, a, they paid a, several billion dollars for Bethesda, right? right? So at some point, they want to see a return on investment. And maybe they're starting to figure out, well, keeping these things exclusive, doing the math, we not Isn't we may not be us. able to, especially yeah. since these companies don't make, uh, as you know, for, uh, these companies aren't making tons of money on console sales. No. It's a loss leader. Yeah. They want you to buy the, the software. So cut out cut out the middleman and get rid of the car, hardware eventually. I think that's what they're going to say. I'm not saying Starfield's going to come to, you know, uh, the next uh, whatever, Super Switch and, and next uh, PS5 tomorrow. But Ian, maybe next year or two years from now, who knows? Like right. if you're like if you're Microsoft and and you're like, well, if we if we bring Starfield to the Super Switch, maybe we eventually can sell you know five to ten million copies. That's a lot better than not, <laughs> you know. Like, sure, that's a lot better than not. We can make a billion dollars uh, selling this on the Switch and another two billion selling it on PlayStation. Why wouldn't you? At some point, especially when you have all this money invested into these companies that you gobbled up during the pandemic. And now you realize we got to start making some of this money back. Seven was it seven point five billion for Bethesda? They, they, they bought it for billion. I have no idea. But yes, I agree. At some point, they're going to make the money any way they can. Yes. Seven point five billion uh, from the Verge article to acquire. Uh, Zenimax Media, the parent company of Elder Scrolls and Fallout Studio Bethesda, seven point five billion dollars. They want to see that money back at some point. They do. You think? Yeah. That's that's a, that's a lot of shells. There, a mere b- bag of clams. So, all right. <laughs> Was that a honeymooners reference originally? God, a seventy-year-old reference. Anyway, well, if you want to hear us talk about more uh, shenanigans, like me staying out way too late. Uh, downtown San Diego on a Saturday night. Uh, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash CU podcast and listen to all about that and about 70 more exclusive podcast ditties that we've, we've uh, recorded over the past year and a half, right, Ian? Yeah. <laughs> year and a half we've been doing this? I feel like it's longer we've been doing that. Something like that. But anyways, that. it's worthwhile. It's Check fun. Them out. We have fun. We have a good time. This portion of the CU podcast is brought to you by Factor. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian-approved meals delivered right to your door. 
You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie, smart, vegan, veggie, and more. And there's tons of choices here. You've got things like chorizo chili, loaded bacon, shredded chicken, black pepper, and sage pork chops. All of it looks really good. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Fuel up fast with Factors restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Snacks, smoothies, there's more. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday snacks, all sorts of things. Factors less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factors the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And it's flexible. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. There's no prep, no mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. You can head to factormeals.com slash podcast 50 and use code podcast 50 to get 50% off. That's code podcast 50 at factormeals.com slash podcast 50 to get 50% off. It's already February and the new year excitement is gone, but it's time to find your groove and keep things going, especially when you run a small business. Stamps.com streamlines all your mailing and shipping to turbocharge your operational efficiencies. And the Stamps.com app is like a post office in your pocket, so you stay on top of things even if you're always on the go. For 25 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses, whether they're mailing out checks, invoices, legal documents, books, or anything else. Get access to the USPS and UPS mailing services you need to run your business right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. And if you sell products online, Stamps.com seamlessly connects with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Keep your mailing and shipping moving at the speed of your business with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code CUPODCAST for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code CUPODCAST. Ian, the uh, WADA Games federal civil class action lawsuit is still going on. Um, it, it's I thought about the timeline of this. We've been talking about WADA Games now for over five years at this point. That's how long Jesus. we've been talking about WADA Games and us originally thinking, oh, this would be nice to have a reputable game grading company with people I mean, that... At the time, we, I mean, oh, it, yeah. it seemed like it might have been a... Good idea. It, it, we were cautiously optimistic. Yes, because VGA was sort of like, we don't know who these people are. And I've heard, I heard sketchy rumors about them. Boy, was I, those were quaint times. But then something happened five years ago, literally this month. February of 2019, uh, a game sale made he- made waves, made headlines. There were multiple major news articles talking about it. Ars Technica, New York Post. There were YouTubers talking about it. It was the $100,000 sale of a Super Mario Brothers for NES, uh, a, a sticker-sealed one. 
uh, I think second print, not even first print that happened for a hundred thousand dollars. Second, yes, because like, I think we had talked about that. Yeah, and that happened, and at the time, we said this looks weird because even in press releases, uh, they let out that hey, this was purchased by a group of people, which is always weird because I never heard of a major game being per- uh, game purchase happening with groups of people ever. Anything being purchased uh, by a group of people always seems off to me but because there's more than just obviously there's more than just the purchase there sure there's something going on there's yeah this is a plan when you have multiple people it's now a plan it's not a one-off where (laughs) hey i want to buy something i like you have to talk to people about uh this and planning to do something and why you're planning to do something but what alarmed ian and me at the time and this was public to their credit they said it one of the buyers was jim halpern Yes. Who was the is the owner of Heritage Auctions, which by that time was entering into agreement to exclusively auction off video games graded by WADA Games, but was also a founding investor in WADA Games. So the the ethical dilemmas, not even dilemmas, problems that this immediately showed us were bad. We knew this was not clean at the time we knew that this was done to show uh, a new height of video game uh, uh, retro video game sales happening because before it was around thirty thousand dollars 35 or so um for the height of a video game sale we're gonna put it to six figures even and make it a hundred thousand why it's a nice number it's a nice number right they could have they could have said literally it. just the number they wanted just yeah pulled out hundred thousand and, and 150 for for they threw 150 on there for some reason so at the time we said well this is wrong because these people have a vested interest particularly jim halperin for pumping up the video game market being an investor in wada games and owning the website that auctions off the wada uh, graded games to me it was a fucking slam dunk and to ian was like this is bad this is wrong this is manipulation it took a long time for folks to come around to our point of view uh, not, I, I mean, like ma- more mainstream, uh, people that listen to us said, you guys are right. This looks fishy. A lot of other people thought it was okay. This is one of the, this Super Mario sale is one of the main claims and tenets of the class action lawsuit. And now, uh, there's public documents, including the declaration, uh, for the class to, to certify the class, uh, that tells us what the arguments are. And there's a public written deposition it's written they do it in front of a video camera uh usually when they when they depose people of dennis khan who was the founder and you know president of water games of his testimony and part of that was this video game sale and how there was a plan leading up to make this sale and more of the inner details that have now come to light that we weren't privy to we thought some of this was happening but this sale turns out to be worse than what we thought about it at the time Right? Did I say anything wrong? No, so, I'm, I'm listening. I'm here. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not out of line. So I want to go through the argument uh, from from the uh, declaration. Or is it the declaration and evidence motion for class certification? We're going to read through it. Then, Ian, if you want to stop me or anything or go to the actual deposition for some of these finer points, uh, we can we can do that on here. All right. Page six. Sale of the Super Mario Brothers game. Plaintiffs maintain. Remember. 
the plaintiffs are suing because they feel that uh, WADA Games broke their contract in terms of the timeliness of them getting the games back to them. Some claim they didn't get the game for a year, year and a half after sending it in, saying you have it back within a month or two. But also, the other uh, part of the of the, the lawsuit is that uh, fraud. The fact that they feel they've been defrauded for getting into this market partially and, and wanting graded games because of the activity of WADA Games and Associates, which this Super Mario Brothers landmark sale was a part of, they argue. So plans maintain that defendants and other individuals engage in an unlawful scheme to unfairly profit from customers. WADA, Heritage Auctions, James Halperin, Dennis Kahn, Dan Maresca, Mark Hassel, and Richard Lecce engaged in a scheme to pump up the retro video game market by publicizing misleading information about the sale of a Super Mario Brothers game. WADA profited from increased interest in the retro video game market and charging customers higher prices based on the inflated value of the games, remember they're taking a percentage, which was a component of WADA's pricing model. Additionally, the increased interest from the publication of the supposed sale of the game increased demand for the company's services overall. Heritage Auctions also profited by increased interest and higher prices in its WADA-graded video game auctions because it made money from charging both buyers and sellers fees and premiums for sales. This is stuff we talked about years ago. And not that it gives me, I'm not glad to see this come out in a federal class action lawsuit, but it's good at least that others agreed with us when we were talking about this stuff years ago. Mm -hmm. Continuing, Dennis Connell was the president and CEO of WADA from its inception until its sale to Collectors Universe July 1st, 2021. WADA began offering video game grading and encapsulation services to the public in April of 2018. By October of 2018, WADA was already appearing at conventions conventions under a joint banner with Heritage Auctions. That I did not know. I did not know they were appearing at conventions uh, under a joint banner with Heritage. That I did not know. If we had known, I'm sure we would have talked about that at the time. Continuing. On October 8, 2018, Khan was interviewed by IGN, a video game publication, at New York Comic Con where he manned the, the, the WADA slash Heritage booth. During the IGN interview, Khan showcased the Super Mario Brothers game and noted the owner was interested in selling the game, which is weird because if you're just a grading service, why are you telling the public a game is for sale? Why are you advertising that? That's a conflict of interest as well. Khan then estimated this. Remember, this is October of 2018. Khan estimated the value of the game at $100,000. This all comes from the deposition you can also read online if you download it. Because Khan did not disclose the seller's identity or contact information, any potential buyer would have had to seek out Khan to facilitate a sale. That's problematic as well, in my opinion. There was no interest and no sale. So this is a timeline. Remember, in 2018, they're just still having the run-up of WADA Games being this this new, I guess, uh, industry leader in game grading, right? All throughout 2018, they're going to these conventions and they're doing articles or talking to people. And during this, Dennis Khan is saying, this Super Mario Brothers game, I think, is worth $100,000. Continuing. In January of 2019, which was just before the announcement of the supposed record-setting sale sale and issue, Khan and Mark Haspel, a WADA investor and chief advisor, took a trip to Heritage Auctions headquarters and met with Jim Halperin. Thereafter, the James and Gail Halperin Foundation, a nonprofit run uh, run by James Halpern and Richard Lecce were issued stock by WADA. So now we're, we're getting more nitty gritty of the business relationships happening. We're getting into, 
okay, potentially this is going to be probably argued. They decided to, to hatch a plan. What can we do to really build this up? So at that point, looking at this timeline, I would make an argument. They decided, well, let's do a, a big sale item, and then this is going to get interest in these games to be auctioned off at your company, Jim. And that's what this looks like is the timeline that's happening. Uh, there was also an understanding reach that Heritage Auctions would be selling water games at their auctions to the exclusion of other video game grading companies. At the time, we always thought that was weird because this was an upstart company. Why would you only have one company and not try to do VGA at the same time? Why would you have a monopoly on it? Now you know why. You know, we knew at the time but with Jim Halpern's involvement with WADA you know, being an investor, but now we know why in particular with the timeline. Around this time, Khan also admits he had a telephonic conversation with WADA's ownership group, which included Halperin, Haspel, Lecce, and Khan, to discuss the proposed sale. Khan claims he was asked if he wanted to be part of the purchase. Khan says he declined to be a part of the purchase because it would be inappropriate for him to trade in WADA-graded games, a point he would later, later make again publicly to the New York Times in an interview. Khan felt the grading games that he owned would have given the appearance of a conflict of interest. Now we get to the yeah, sale. Uh, where does where does he mention this? Um, he mentioned in the deposition on. Well, page. he mentioned in the deposition. Okay, do you remember anything else, even if it's general, about what having the telephone conversation? The telephone conversation was about the sale, and his response was other than me saying no, and that given my position, I, as much as I'd love to, genuinely that I wouldn't be able to partake in it. Don't remember anything else, and I believe the conversation probably ended after that. In in, in around February of 2019, the alleged sale of the Super Mario Brothers game occurred. The seller was a collector and friend of Khan's named Dan Maresco. I'm going to stop right here. Dan Maresco was known as Bronte online on Nintendo Age going back almost 15 years at this point. I used to argue with Dan Maresco on Nintendo Age about graded game collecting back then and how it was actually like a weird offshoot of regular game, grade, of game collecting. You, it wasn't considered to me the same thing. We had these arguments back and forth. Um, Dan Maresco was a part of the WAD advisory board. He was on the website as of late, as of late, as of, as of late, as of uh, end of 2018. You can go to the Wayback Machine and you can see it. So you have a guy that was involved in helping start WADA, now helping sell his game to WADA. That's why they wanted to keep his name out of this back at the time with those articles. Because it looked improper because it was. It was slimy because it was. But we're just getting to the tip of the iceberg. This isn't even like the, 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 the uh, important new information coming out of this that we're going to get to. On February 14, 2019, James Halpern touted the sale, the buyers, and the price paid in a post on Heritage Auctions' website. We did a topic on that back then. The, the, the announcement also contained quotes from WADA president and co-founder Dennis Kahn. Kahn stated, while many video games sell regularly for five figures, breaking the six-figure mark shows the hobby's upward trajectory indicates no sign of slowing down. James Halpern further implied he, mel he may sell the game in one of Heritage's auctions. That never occurred, by the way. The supposed sale of the game to James Halpern, a WADA investor, WADA advisory board member, and co-founder of Heritage Auctions, Richard Lecce, WADA investor and self-described co-founder of WADA, who, by the way, in all his private emails to me trying to get me to pump up the market on the podcast and, and trying to buy my shit, Richard never revealed to me that he was officially involved with WADA in those emails, by the way. And one of Lecce's friends, Zach Geig, was a historically high sale price for any video game. Previously, the highest sale for such a comparable video game was about 30000 
The sale was a newsworthy event and was carried out to the public based on the heritage announcement by publications such as Fox News and the New York Times. Unbeknownst to the public, the information was inaccurate. In reality, this is the big, big news from this deposition stuff. In reality, there actually was no legitimate sale of the Super Mario Brothers game. I will repeat that. In reality, there actually was no legitimate sale of the Super Mario Brothers game. This is what's being argued. Rather, seller Maresca retained an interest in the game. That's in the deposition. That's new information. That information, ladies and gentlemen, was never disclosed anywhere. It wasn't disclosed in the Heritage Auctions press release, nor in any news item at the time. You know why? That looks bad. That's not a proper sale if a seller retains an interest in the game at that point. That's not a sale. I've never heard of any video, a big video game sale happening, Ian, in 25 years plus of collecting where a seller sold a game, but they maintained an interest in the game. Never have I heard of that. No. Have you? That's let us throw you some money. We're going to say this sold for 100000 and we're going to use that to base our entire argument that video games are skyrocketing in the collectibles market. And that's why people need to get their games graded with us. I'm not Again, even it's, saying it's creating, uh, trying to create, using that to try to create a market. Correct. Uh, additionally, all the buyers were not named. This is the other piece of information that you'll find in a second why they don't want this to come out. Well, here we go. So talking about the game. Uh, is Mr. Lecce the individual who, in your knowledge, negotiated the deal with Maresca? Yes. And it was. Lecce, Halperin, and Gig, who purchased the game, right? Yes, they were the purchasers. Anybody else? Yes. Who else was a purchaser? Mark Haspel. Who is Mark Haspel? Mark Haspel was on the WADA executive team. He was on basically their board, you want to call him board of directors. You can go back to the Wayback Machine. You can see him as one of the four main board members on the site, along with uh, Kenneth Thrower, who we'll get to. Mark Haspel was in promo videos with Dennis Kahn. If you go, if you go to the Wada Games YouTube channel, Ian, there are two videos on there. One is at uh, a trade show, and one they're talking about the importance of graded games. Mark Haspel's in both of those. He was part and parcel part of Wada Games, and he ends up being. It's bad enough Jim Halperin, one of the investors of Wada, was purchasing, but now Mark Haspel, who was involved, also being a part of the purchasing team. And this was never disclosed to anyone, ever. It doesn't take a genius to figure out why, because it looks improper and it looks like a shill sale happening. This is ridiculous. We gave them way too much credit even five years ago talking about this. We thought all of the information coming out where they were at least being honest and forthright. They weren't, Ian. They no. weren't. Not shocked, right? No, not, not particularly shocking in any way, shape, to, or form. And, and in the deposition, Ian, you can read where uh, Dennis Kahn tries to say, well, he wasn't working for WADA. He's in the WADA videos. He's on the executive board. I literally witnessed him at too many games 2019 wearing a fucking water shirt buying games I, at the time i didn't know what was happening i thought well maybe he's just collecting games and then storing them no he was likely buying them 
in order to profit off them. Uh, journalist Seth Abramson bought games from Mark Haspel that he had graded Atari ones and in television off of eBay. This whole thing was rotten from the start. I mean, we kind of knew that, but now we know it in black and white from Dennis Khan's own words, how rotten it was to the core. So um, here it is. So, and I think you can identify, did Mark Haspel ever work for WADA? No. And he was an investor. Is that correct? Yes. Other than that role, was he ever on the advisory board? No. How can did Dennis have any other relationship with WADA? He held the title of chief advisor. He went to the conventions with, with Dennis Khan and represented WADA, and he's in uh, the videos promoting WADA. You're telling me I he didn't work for WADA? Say someone was a chief investor but did not work for WADA. He, wor he worked for them and was an investor. Or chief, chief advisor. It's bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's improper. It's disgusting. And you, they knew it was improper, and that's why it was never publicized that he was part of the buying group. I'm going to continue now. Uh, all the other buyers were also affiliated with WADA as investors, founders, and or advisory board members. The sale was likely facilitated by Dennis Khan himself, given the timing and sequence of events and the fact that Khan had just set the price a few months prior. So Dennis Khan publicly says, I think this game was worth $100,000, which he should never have done, by the way, as, as the leader of a grading company. You should never be getting into what the actual uh, price is. Then a few months later, this sale happens for the magical price of $100,000. Right. After there had no interest, no one had interest in that game, it sounds like, that whole year of 2018. Because it was a ridiculous price to assume anyone could get for a game. Yes. At the time. Now it's feel, it seems quaint. Uh, on February 15, 2009. But why does it feel quaint? Because that sale happened and set everything in motion. Correct. It was, it was the spark that lit the fuse of this whole speculative bubble. On February 15, 2019, online publication, Ars Technica quoted Khan and Halperin when they were both hyping up the sale of the game. Halperin stated, there are, there are bets on what will someday be the first million-dollar video game, and many collectors believe that this will be the one. Unfortunately for them, it wasn't. It was Super Mario 64, which uh, set up giant fire alarms to everyone when that happened. Khan confirmed, if video games are going to be the way of comics and coins, then there will be one day be a million dollar video game sale. And I think that this is a game that's going to happen. The game supposed seller, Dan Maresca, also gave an interview to Ars Technica about the sale. Maresca, despite publicly identifying himself as the owner of the game on the internet before the sale, used a pseudonym in his interviews, presumably to try to obscure his connection to WADA. He was wiped from the site by then, by the way. When you, once you go to the Wayback Machine in 2019, uh, Dan Maresca is no longer on the site. He's there in 2018. The Ars Technica article was published by Kyle Orland on February 23rd, 2019, and is entitled $100,000 Mario Seller. It's probably the wrong move long-term to sell. In the article, Maresca is quoted as follows. It's probably the wrong move long-term to sell, but because of the value involved in the potential risk and it being hard to insure and so on, I'm going to sell it and take the profit and leave it as that. Thereafter, one of the three publicly identified so-called buyers, Richard Lecce, appeared on Season 17, Episode 5 of the television show Pawn Stars entitled Pawn vs. Ferrari with the Super Mario Brothers. The episode aired in November of 2019. Lecce appeared on the show claiming to want to sell the game to the pawn shop operators for $1 million. Khan was called in as an independent I forgot expert. about that. Khan was called Not the in show, but one million dollars. Yes, Khan, Khan was called in as an independent expert, even though my sources told me 
they traveled to that show together to appear on it. Khan and Lechi pretended not to know each other. Again, Khan implied the value of the game was now $1 million or more, even though it just sold allegedly for $100,000. So they manufacture a $100,000 sale, and then not even, Ian, nine months later, that game goes up 10 times more, even though before the $100,000 sale, uh, you know, sticker sale sealed games were not known to go for even five figures. Like, I, I, didn't, I right. did not know the game's going for that much money. Uh, NES games are not going for five figures except for like NWC carts and, you know, and like uh, same events games for the most part. Anyway, as a result of the news coverage, defended WADA experienced a massive increase in demand for services as collectors rushed to have games graded. The demand and price of WADA graded video games through heritage auctions increased dramatically. And that's this is all information from the deposition. Yep. This is all stuff uh, uh, out of Dennis Khan's mouth. So we're not making up shit. Obviously, some of these arguments uh, being made about, well, this was a manufactured sale. This is an extrapolation of, of the facts that Dennis Khan himself put uh, into uh, evidence uh, through the deposition. So this is a travesty, obviously. Um, it's, but it's a travesty for a lot of reasons. It's obviously a travesty that these folks successively you know, milked a lot of unsuspecting people to get into the greater gay market when it was false. It was it was a hyperinflated bubble. We know that. But Ian, I think the, the bigger travesty is this. We never said, Ian and I said that video games shouldn't be worth uh, any form of money. Never. We just thought it was improper to have people tricked into thinking games are worth a lot of money. When there are games that are uh, historically worth a lot of money, there always were games, Ian, that were yes, worth of course. four and five figures. I think one of the tragedies of this long term, because like with comic books, Ian, it took decades for these games to reach the heights that I got to, right? We were robbed of that as video game collecting fans and fans of videos. We were robbed of any form of organic growth for a lot of these games to even happen. We'll never know if, for example, a, a sticker seal Super Mario Brothers could be worth $100,000 because it didn't happen organically. We were robbed of that. It's not to say that it couldn't have been worth that in 10 years from now or 15, but we were robbed of that happening for a, a lot of these games. I don't know if we're robbed of it, though. I mean, I feel like over time, things will settle back down to where they should be and we'll be able to tell. But, but it definitely screwed it up for quite some time. I, but it'll never go back to a natural trajectory, Ian, because it's bouncing up, bouncing down. There's never going to be a natural, slow growth that... And I'm not saying it's going to occur for a lot of these games. But who's to say that in 25 years from now, you know, a sticker seal first print suit Marbos couldn't have been worth half a million dollars. Sure. But, but not next year. That's the point. Going from worth a few thousand to 100,000, that's where it's improper. That's where it's not right. That's where these people manufactured this. Yes. They're just trying to accelerate it. Yes. And now it's in black and white in a deposition in a lawsuit. Uh, Ian, one of the other things in, the, in, the, in Dennis Khan's deposition that was interesting was that the good old dentist, Eric Nyerman, sounds like he purchased his games from Dan Mareska as well, his, his sealed games. Okay, and do you know where Mr. Mareska's games that he sold to Dr. Nyerman graded by WADA or VGA? They were initially graded by VGA. Had they been regraded by WADA? Yes. Did Mr. Mareska have all of his VGA-graded games regraded by WADA? No. Again, the ones I'm talking about are the ones that I know Dr. Nyerman purchased from Mareska. These are the ones that I'm referring to. And those were crossed from VGA to WADA. So, okay. 
So, yeah. so that's where it's admitted. So Dan Maresca uh, had the balls to do these interviews and say, it might be the wrong thing to sell this game so early. Meanwhile, he's selling the bulk of his uh, big black box and other games to someone for, I think it was reported to be like high six figures, I believe at the time, up to a million dollars to Eric Nyerman's investing group. Um, he profited like a, like as much as he could at the time, especially with people not knowing the source of those games, uh, by and large. Behind the scenes, people knew in the scene. But like he profited perfectly. He helped engineer this. His name should be brought up more often as part of this uh, group of people. And that's what this part of this deposition shows. Um, so I don't know if you have any more, or more thoughts versus what I brought up, Ian. But I mean, you covered it. You ran right through it. Uh, but it's it's a lot worse than what we gave it credit for. And the folks that wrote the articles, uh, like the New York Post article, Kyle Orlin, who wrote the Ars Technica article, they should be pissed off as well because they they basically false reported on something that happened where they were not given all the information at the time. And this was, this was passed off as being proper when, when we knew it wasn't, but I would hope that these reporters would then hopefully, if not write a full story about this news, at least write a, uh, a, a retraction or an update to these original stories with the real truth about how bullshit these sales were, where the seller didn't actually sell the entire game. He kept an interest in it. Um, and Mark Haspel who worked for WADA, was on the advisory board, and an investor was one of the buyers, and they and they for some reason kept that out of all the all the uh, all the news. Well, Halpern was a buyer too, so I mean, yes, but they tried to hide the fact that well, Halpern wasn't really involved with WADA when Mark Haspel was day to day and was representing them at all these conventions on top. As obviously, no, I agree. I just I also think Halpern was more of a day to day person than oh, he know. could have been. Yeah, he could have been advising them behind the scenes absolutely but i'm saying like as a face of the company mark hassel was a face of the company he's in their videos he went to the conventions he was wearing the fucking wada shirt i saw him at too many games he was a part of this as well so there you have it ian so i don't know why you're talking to me you're talking to the crowd i'm well aware well you're part of it. yeah i know but yeah you know, i'm dominating the conversation no much much to, much to our chagrin which can happen was there any other nuggets from the deposition i think i think the, the summary covered a bunch of it uh, there, I like how Dennis didn't want to admit at first there were other buyers uh, of the game. He, he had to be prodded by by the the attorney. Were there any other buyers of the game? Oh yeah, uh, Mark Haspel. And it's like, oh, well, that's kind of important to mention, yeah, right? Well, you don't want to fuck around in a depot. Uh, the only other thing that I would point out is this question uh, again: Do you know of any WADA employees who did sell great games that have been oh. created by the company? Yes. And who were those people? Kenneth Thrower. Anybody else? Nope. Did Mr. Thrower, was he terminated for that conduct? No. <laughs> okay. okay. Kenneth Thrower yeah. was the lead grader. If you don't want to say Mark Haspel was a worker, Kenneth Thrower was a worker. And so this is something we never knew about. We knew Mark Haspel was buying and selling games, and that was improper. But now you have your lead grader doing it, Kenneth Thrower, and he wasn't even fucking fired for it. Are you, this is a fucking a joke. To pretend that this company had any integrity at all from the get-go. What a fucking joke. Thanks for pointing out, you know, I forgot about that. 
Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a neat tidbit. What a fucking disgrace. Just a bunch of uh, rich collectors making themselves richer. That's what WADA games, that was the goal of WADA games. That's what, that's, what the, that's what the result's been. This portion of the CU podcast is brought to you by the perfect gene. Guys, are you tired of not having enough room in your jeans? You know, we're moving around. Things can get scrunched up down there. We don't want that, do we? But wearing oversized jeans can make it look like, like a clown. People might laugh at you. That's not good either. And is your wife tired of you wearing sweats or khakis because you hate wearing jeans don't give up on jeans today's sponsor the perfect jean has finally solved all of your denim difficulties they make great looking perfect fitting jeans that are as comfortable as sweatpants the secret a special denim fabric that's super soft and has the perfect amount of stretch so you can squat do yoga or just sit around all day in them without ever wanting to take them off they make six fits from skinny to thick and have a waist from 26 to 50 inches in lengths from 26 to 38 inches. These are great for big boys, short kings, tall dudes, and all the rest. They've got you covered. For a limited time, our listeners get 15% off their first order, plus free shipping at theperfectgene.nyc or Google The Perfect Gene and use code CUPODCAST15 for 15% off. Let me tell you about the perfect gene. They are a lifesaver. Ian knows all about my gene struggles. He's seen it in person. I literally, with a pair of jeans at a convention one time, I split them underneath the butt. I'm not kidding. If you're if if you're if you got a little bit of a posterior like me, it can be troublesome to find a gene that can fit. But these are stretchy. I've already worn these going out to a to a club. I wore these just hanging out at home. These these are very versatile. Ian, you love them too, right? Uh, yeah, and I didn't think I was going to like stretchy jeans, but the moment I put them on, uh, no joke, they were they were like my favorite pair of pants. You became a perfect jean believer. That's I sure right. did. The perfect jean always has free shipping, exchanges, and returns. You can have peace of mind knowing that your order is completely risk-free. It's finally time to stop crushing your balls in uncomfortable jeans by going to theperfectgene.nyc. Our listeners get 15% off your first order, plus free shipping, free returns, and free exchanges when you use code CUPODCAST15 at checkout. That's 15% off for new customers at theperfectgene.nyc with promo code CUPODCAST15. After your purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them that we sent you. F your khakis and get the perfect gene. Boy, howdy. Uh, Amico, back in, back in the news, can't stay out of the news. Um, a couple of things happened. There was a Valentine's Day update, which well, no different than any other update that we've covered. It's a what again? A Valentine's Day update. There it is. Uh, the uh, Valentine's Day update is a lot of hot air. It's a lot of uh, how do you say horse shit? Um, and they, I'm not going to read the whole thing. But uh, the first thing I'm going to, I will read this first paragraph because it, 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 it's funny. Happy 2024. A new year is traditionally a time for setting new goals and putting new plans in motion. Since our previous update in mid-December, we have been planning what we will strive to accomplish in the new year. On January 8th, we published our 2024 Amico Roadmap 1. Our forecast for 2024 includes some big goals. 
And then they talk about game development to independent independent tele- developers. They spell independent wrong. <laughs> they uh, did? iOS compatibility. Uh, publishing more games. Cornhole, Rigid Force Redux Enhanced, and Finnegan Fox. Bringing Amico controllers to market for this Christmas holiday season. Mm-hmm. In late January, we updated the roadmap to show some of the short-term goals we already achieved early this year. Sideswipers AI update. Android TV and Google TV compatibility for Amico Homes and Games. Amico Home and Games. So it's funny to me because it's a lot of words to uh, say they've accomplished nothing. I mean, we're talking the most basic accomplishments. Cornhole, Rigid Force Redux, and Finnegan Fox to come out. Uh, other people have spe- uh, speculated on, on the um, Intellivision Amico uh, message board, as have I, that I think that's it. That's the end of the road. I don't know what they're going to do after that. These are all the games they probably have in a completed or close enough to complete state. I mean, they already released an incomplete game. They released a fucking demo of a game that, that doesn't exist in a final form. Mm-hmm. So I think this is probably all they've got. Um. So, yeah, uh, then they say that Sideswipers rides the AI revolution. Okay. Um, The big one is that they are now... So, you'll notice that they don't talk about the the console at all. Mm -hmm. Not, Not at all. You'll also notice, and this is interesting, they don't mention the word in television once. Oh, really? In that update. That's an interesting thing, Ian. I did not pick up on that. Uh, I will be... I, I, I wish I could credit them properly right now, but that was something that someone mentioned somewhere. I honestly don't remember if that was the message board or online, but someone goes, hey, they didn't mention the word in television in there. Was it not... In the, let, me, let me check the email. Let me sure make sure it wasn't in the logo in the email. I wonder if there's a licensing thing that's happening now where it's, uh-oh. Or I wonder uh, if they just don't want to be associated with it or... If Tommy still owns the rights to the Intellivision name, if they don't want that under, under that's what I mean. If that was licensed out to them, maybe either the license ended or they're like, "Well, uh, we don't want this to happen anymore. <laughs> this has to end." Uh, let me let me check my email to see that because that's that's a, are you reading off of the Intellivision underscore uh, Miko Reddit for that? Yeah. Let me let me see. Oh, here it is. Off the top rope. Good name says noticed that the word in television does not appear in this update. It is, is in the, the image. Them- it is in uh, the image. Okay. It's in the image well, of, of the, the logo with the, with the little plankton ripoff, uh, SpongeBob plankton ripoff named Miko. Miko. It, yeah. Uh, which is also the only time they mentioned the console. Oh, I didn't see that. Let's see. Back that. By the way, I think the. Uh, independent i don't it's there's misspelled or it's a bad play on indie games and pendant i don't you know, know i mean it could be but I'm, I'm not gonna give them that with their history of misspellings Ian, even on their little startup guide yes misspelling in television yeah, so the only yeah. mention of the amico console in this update is uh in, at the end happy valentine's day for miko you've seen our amico mascot on the title graphic of our update our little friend first appeared inside the amico console packaging with a speech bubble declaring i'm amico we've settled on the name miko to avoid ambiguity uh thank, thanks for, i don't know what your brainstorming uh sessions i don't want to be involved with that but thank you for for letting us in, inside and trying to sell t-shirts and mugs with it um but anyways going back to what i was gonna say i i just think it's 
the way they're stringing people along here. Now we're not even talking about a console launch. We haven't talked about a console launch in months. They haven't. Uh, so now they're downscaling it and they're making just a controller. And they have these people believing that these controllers are going to be out by Christmas. <sighs> yeah, I don't, I don't know about to that. To play six games with no more or you know seven games, what, no more in the pipeline. Mm-hmm. I mean, what kind of either they're lying through their teeth and these people are just so stupid or the people behind it are delusional and these people are just so stupid. You're not going to I mean, to manufacture a run of those things in any amount that's going to be financially feasible with a retail price that's acceptable is going to be 10 times the amount that you would ever, ever potentially sell. Touchscreen, LED lights, the stupid disc controller. Um, what am I missing? Supposedly, there's a microphone that they was all one at one point said rumble capability. These are going to be we were talking about last time. There's be eighty to one hundred dollars for these controllers. Like yeah. th- these are over engineered janky controllers, right? That may or may not have lag. Um, so the the fact of the matter is, you're going to have to have thousands upon thousands of people interested in these. These aren't just like one off USB controllers, like you know, like the CDI. Uh, things that like limited run did was like well CDI controllers you, you use some tooling I mean but it's basic controller the, the, technology yeah it's the same controller tech it's just you know it's a, it's a switch it's controller rearranging or, the buttons yeah. in a different shell yes exactly this is his own entity right so they don't have the people they don't have the interest for it to make to manufacture it the fact that they're going to try to lead people on to the, the, the this shell of a company with like two people maybe uh, working on it at this point is ridiculous. On top of that, uh, can I talk about side swipers, Maureen? Our favorite. If you, if, demo if you would game? like to, uh, you have you have the stage. Thank you, Ian. I felt like I dominated uh, the the Wada conversation with with my piss and vinegar. I um, mean, I, look. By the way, we it just made sense to do it that way. You're fine. You're thank good. You. Uh, so side swipers uh, rides the a- AI revolution. I yep. want to jump out of my fucking window. I did too. When when I saw that, like that was ridiculous. No, we. This is their copy. I almost wanted to volunteer to rewrite this copy because I feel so cringy even saying this. No, we have not added Chat GBT to the cars, but the latest update available now on Amazon App Store and Google Play adds AI opponents. So they mean CPU component uh, opponents, right? Yes. So yes. they're trying to like use a hip to the kids Chat GPT, like. Stop it. all the fucking buzzwords they can possibly muster. Stop it with your with your fake NFT games that were never NFTs. Fucking stop it. Second paragraph, Ian. With each new feature update, such as this AI update, computer yeah, this, opponents. This drove me nuts too. Computer opponents, which was existed in video games since the, the 70s. Yeah, that uh, should be a fucking basic option. The fact that they had the balls to raise the price yeah. for AI, op- AI computer opponents, it was, I mean, yeah, it's F- laughable. But that's the thing. They can now get away with anything with these people. There's nothing they can't do. People are fucking crazy. Like, like uh, cult is not even a strong enough word that, no. we, that we coined years ago. Like, it's not even a strong enough word for these folks. Um, with each new feature update, such as this AI update... We bump the price up slightly until all features are completed and we reach full price. All early adopters get the subsequent updates for free. 
All right. So it's like early access on Steam, except for uh, the fact that they are charging. It's a demo. Great. Yeah. They, but but they, yeah. It's a fucking tech demo. Congratulations. Yeah. You added CPU opponents. Congrats. What else are you going to add? Uh, I don't know. Road spikes for your opponents going around the one figure eight track. Are you going to add different tracks? Do you have that uh, ability to do that? What could you possibly add? to bump up the price where I got to get in early and buy this fucking demo before it gets to what? 10 or $15. Like what? Are, tell me the features, uh, John Alvarado. You're probably one like, what are the features? What are these amazing features that you're going to add to this game? Can you think of any, like what, what, what can you add? Different well, colored I mean, cars. They, I mean, I mean here. So this is the crazy thing. Oh, this is the crazy thing. Okay. Crazy. <laughs> Games like this. I mean, I can't tell you how many games I've bought on fucking Steam that are like $8, $10, $5 that just keep getting free updates over and over again mm -hmm. because people actually care about the games they're making. Vampire Survivors, one of the most popular games of last year and the year before. Everyone plays it, loves it. Um, you know, looks simple on the surface, surface, but very, very addictive is a $5 game with DLCs that are $2.99 a piece. And every DLC adds more characters, more weapons, more maps. Like you're really building the game out. You're really expanding it. Right. It's it. These are genuine expansions. And, uh, you know, I've seen early access developers who, you know, release the game. And by the time the game comes out, it's completely different. And the amount of stuff they've added is insane. And they might bump their game from 15 to 20 or 20 to 25. Sure. I mean, it, it's, it's fucking insulting that, you know, he's taking a demo, an unfinished demo, charging $5 for it, charging three more dollars for CPU opponents. will probably charge another $5 or $3 if they even add one more track. It's just, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And these people slurp it up rather than ever admit they're wrong i hope they, just, I, they have no I, I i don't know like fucking have some self-respect um so size swipers is now it bumped up to 6.99 from what was it 4.99 oh, okay, originally i thought it was 7.99 okay so so uh, six, two dollars two dollars for cpu opponents <laughs> it's just ridiculous and um this game should be a like a, not even a dollar game. You can find dollar games probably on Google Play that are there are better more... free games on Steam. Sure, or probably on your phone. You know, with, with ad support, we'll just say. Oh sure. You know, um, this is a joke, and I hope that folks that are hanging on for dear life have their, you know, internal come to Jesus uh, moment with themselves and be like, enough well, is enough. This is insane. I have to jump off this crazy train. At some point, I feel I like if you're on that train right now, you're not. You're not jumping. Off. Well, uh, this has 50 plus downloads, so that means less than 100 on Google Play. So there you go. There you go. There you go, John. Uh, maybe you'll get, I don't know, a 40 more people to spend seven dollars on this out there. Maybe. So that's is that the only say. on television news that's come up? Uh, well, well, it depends on how you want to look at it. I'm not going to dwell on it for too long um, because I feel like that's the nice thing to do is not dwell on it for well, too long. We don't have to Tommy Tellerico nice. is selling his house, uh, his Orange County house. And all I can say is 
I can't wait to see him buy it back in two years. Because he said if he lost it all, he'd have it back in two years. So, Tommy, when you're back here in two years buying that house again, I can't wait to welcome you with open arms, bud. Um, well, th- this has been reported on, on major websites. Yes, so, so I don't feel quite as bad anymore about talking. And about I, I, I'll be honest, I don't give a shit for someone that try to uh, disparage us behind the scenes and try to go after my career in certain ways. I don't fucking care. Uh, at some point, they're, they're, you know, all's fair in love and war with this. Uh, this is Tommy's result of his uh, his personal ruination. What you want to say? This is all he's doing. This is this is his uh, his hubris coming back to to to, to hurt him. Oh yeah, if absolutely. He, if he wasn't so boisterous and arrogant and narcissistic, and and he might have just maybe failed at putting out a console, and you know. We wouldn't. We just said, "Oh, it's a shame that." In another, in another universe, Ian. Hey, so you know what? That that's a shame that you know we didn't think it was gonna be a good idea. But you know, the Amigo came out and they only sold like five thousand of them. We thought it was not gonna do well, but you know, they gave it a try and, and it sucks. That's where it would have ended. But oh, yeah. Tommy exposed himself for the liar, manipulator, narcissist he is, and that allowed other people a, a low life. Uh, as uh, he's a low life, but it allowed other people to see inside his mind and then look delve into Tommy's past that he probably should have kept his as Ian said one time should have kept his mouth shut because yeah. he exp- other people have now exposed his almost his entire career for being fake um and this is like the end result of this being alone having to sell your house Eventually, that nice uh, Ferrari is going to probably be sold as well. You know, if you can sell it, since it's not a Ferrari, is that one not a Ferrari? I know his oh, old I, car I wasn't. Know. I I just always thought it was a kit, but I don't. I actually don't know. I think I that one's that actually a Ferrari because Tommy doesn't know how to spend money properly. When you look at his house, and this is a nice house. Not to get too much into the Redfin, it's on there, but this is actually a nice house in theory. What yeah. once you rip out the Spider-Man cave well, and, yeah. and the gaudy Egyptian. Uh, attire in in the in the dining room and stuff like that nice house in shape i guess but yeah yeah, it needs a lot of (laughs) needs a whole new bit of decoration or or the fucking weird houdini bathroom which like that 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 should be like in a restaurant a theme restaurant somewhere Uh, but i actually like the kitchen uh but so i i don't have a larger point about this it's it's just that um the chickens are coming home to roost or they already have, and it's going to get worse. But it's depressing that someone who built a lot of his career on lies and for taking credit for other people's uh, hard work could be allowed to get to the point of owning a Ferrari and having like a super nice house like this that could qualify like as a, a mansion at six six thousand square feet. Oh, to that. I fucking- mean, he came up and built his reputation in a different time. I can't really blame other people. I mean, it was harder to do this sort of thing pre, pre, um, pre everyone being on the internet. Sure. Oh, by the way, that uh, douchebag that came after me and Ian for being critical of time uh, for Tommy, and then fucking, uh, you know, glazing him by saying he has a, a Ferrari. He lives in a mansion. Well, doesn't anymore, asshole. Doesn't anymore. So. <laughs> That fucking douchebag. Anyway, that, that was funny, right? It was fun. It was a great time, Pat. <laughs> it was a great time. 
We had a swell time. Oh man, I got on my soapbox for that for that uh, water segment. But I feel it was necessary. Well, you gotta get it out of your system. Well, I mean, you know, that's what people expect, right? Indeed. <laughs> well, I am going to go get medication for my dear sweet wife, and then try to play more Helldivers. So, that's what it. about you? Uh, Editing. Uh, I got to Yeah, I got to edit this. What we just spoke. <laughs> I got to edit this podcast. <laughs> That's why you asked that. You're really curious. What about you, Pat? What do you do? I'll be editing. Uh, thank, thank God, no basketball games for a day or two, right? They come yeah. back on Thursday. Yeah, I'll be editing this, and then tomorrow I'll be working on the book, and then uh, streaming streaming tomorrow. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Country Code. That's my. You way can catch life. me on Thursday. It'll be my year anniversary, so I'll probably go a little bit longer than I usually do. So you can learn about my late night adventure. Uh, by going to patreon.com slash CU podcast for the exclusive there if you want. All right. Check out the N64 Kickstarter if you want. Book Kickstarter. I'm not selling the concept. Check out the book Kickstarter. Go buy his book. Buy my book. Have a good one. Bye.